Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, here we are. We've reached the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, in the last few months that we've been going through it, do you feel any wiser? If not, I guess we have one last chance, right? I think that it's only best that we start with something that we've been able to say from the beginning. And that is, there is nothing new under the sun. Now, if I were to ask you, who is the wisest person to ever live? If you've been listening these last few months, you'd be able to tell me that the answer is... Jesus. Of course it's Jesus. Jesus being both true man and true God. He is the very definition of wisdom. Now, if I were to ask you who the second wisest person ever to live, you might also know this answer as well. And that is... Solomon, the author of this book. And what we see in the opening line of his conclusion, his closing statement, or maybe it's his epilogue, is that all wise people refer to themselves in the third person. We see him call himself the preacher. And we know that many times Jesus refers to himself in the third person, as he refers to himself as the Son of Man very often. So if you're one of those people who refers to yourself in the third person, maybe you're on to something. Or maybe not. And we see Jesus and Solomon do it because they want us to become wise by making us think about what they're actually saying. Make us dwell on the impact of those words and the individual that hears them and what each person is saying themselves and why they say it in that way. Now we'll come back to Jesus shortly, so let's stick with Solomon for now. He, the preacher, also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. Somebody as wise as Solomon researches and studies and writes his own wisdom, his own proverbs, and teaches others, passes along that knowledge. It's not something that we keep covered up or that we hide from others. And we might also say that as the preacher goes on to say, that what matters more than wisdom is the truth. Wisdom is great, but even the wise can be led astray, especially when we look at Solomon's life as king and all of the wives and concubines that he had and how they turned away his heart after other gods and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God. Today was originally supposed to be Confirmation Sunday. And one verse that is sometimes chosen as a confirmation verse 
I'll read you the first part of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. We see that young men stumble and fall, but we also know that old and wise men stumble and fall. They stumble and fall into sin. And this is the struggle for all of us. Young, old, wise, foolish. We all have struggles, trials, temptations, and they come in all different shapes, sizes, and forms. Solomon was tempted with women, more women than anyone can handle. And they led him away into false gods, false idols that he worshipped, and that took the place of the one true God. What is it for you? During this time of isolation and separation from in-person worship, have you been tempted to think that you don't need the church? Or at least that you don't need church like you used to. That you can just sit and worship at home. Have some couch church, some pillow prayers. And that's good enough? And so when these doors open back up again fully, will you just continue to sit in your pajamas? Or maybe the temptation is that you don't even need church at all. Never mind online worship services. I don't need the service one little bit. I mean, after all, my faith is a personal relationship just between me and God, so I don't really need to be present except in myself with God. I don't need the word. I don't need the sacraments. I don't need the fellowship with other believers. I don't need you. Or you. Or me. Or have you been tempted to to go back to your old way of living. Once all of this is ended, are you thinking about all those things that you used to make priorities? And that they'll become your top priorities again? I mean, once sports start back up again, I mean, it doesn't matter that you've done without it this long. If it's on Sunday morning, are you going to choose that over church? Or has Netflix become your false idol now? Or Disney Plus? Or your social media accounts? Or whatever else takes up all of your time? So much so that it takes the place of God. What have been the things that have tried to lead you astray or have led you astray? And will they continue to try and lead you astray or will other things take their place, and you'll have different temptations? Only you know that. And here's the thing. If someone as brilliant as Solomon can fall, we can fall. We are not wiser than Solomon. We are not better at avoiding temptation than Jesus. So let's just be honest and admit the truth of the matter. Because that's what Solomon wants to get at with the remaining sentences in this book. We have all sinned, and we have all fallen short. We're sinners. Time and time again, we've failed to keep God's commands. 
And if your temptation is that you don't need church, then are you truly remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy? Are you really holding the word of God sacred and gladly hearing and learning it? Or are you despising God's word and the preaching of his word and thus despising God? Only you can answer that. And if you've stumbled and fallen and given into temptation, even just once, what you deserve for your sins is punishment. It's death. It's being forever separated, eternally distanced from God. It's hell, where there is no relief from suffering. Now, we might be going through some suffering here on this earth, but it is nothing compared to the agony and torment of hell. And that is not at all what God wants for you. He wants you to spend eternity with him. He wants to bring you to his home, where there is no more pain, no more suffering, no more distance between you and him. But the only way to get rid of the distance between us and God because of sin, was for someone to come and bridge that gap, to be the bridge itself. That was Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. The good shepherd, the wisest man ever to walk the earth. He was more than a man. He was God incarnate, God in flesh. And that is why he was able to live a perfect life, the life that we couldn't overcome every temptation that came his way to live without ever sinning. And as a man, he was able to take our place on the cross, to take our punishment, our death, our hell, and die for us. Lay down his life for us to be the final sacrifice to atone for sins. And this time, not just the sins of one person, but the sins of all people. He died to give us forgiveness. He died to give us salvation. And he died to reconcile us, to bring us back to God. And his resurrection from the dead gives us the assurance that he did accomplish all of this for us. And these promises become a reality for us by faith. And the Holy Spirit creates faith in us. And Christ has poured out his Holy Spirit on us generously, especially in our baptism. And so when we read Solomon's words as he writes words of truth for our learning, for our wisdom, we read that the words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. Now goads are like sticks or a cattle prod that drives whatever you're trying to move. Nails hold things together, and they firm up those loose parts of a structure. And these wise words come from one shepherd. In essence, the word of God drives our lives and secures all of our loose parts, all of the loose parts of us. And this goes back to the question that we've asked in the past. Do we change the word of God 
or does the word of God change us? I think Solomon has given us that answer. I also like how the shepherd, nails, and tool that drives are included in this one sentence. It just makes me think, so, think of the nails being driven into Jesus' hands and feet on the cross. And his words, it is finished, secured our forgiveness and eternal life. Or as we read in 1 Timothy, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. This much is true. Jesus came to die for you, for all of your sins, to give you the gift of eternal life. This is what matters most. And if we use the wise words of Ecclesiastes, we can say, My son, beware of anything beyond these. So dear children of God, there will be plenty of people who will come and try and preach a gospel to you that does not center on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are many books written that will try and convince you of the true way to find peace and joy and happiness. There are many words that you can find written in books online coming from the mouths of others claiming to be the truth. The way to the truth is through the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And in his words are the words of eternal life, the words of truth, the gospel of our salvation, ensured by the Holy Spirit who has given us the faith to believe. And only in Christ can we find true joy, true happiness, and true peace that will last for all eternity. When it comes to wisdom, the word of God stands alone. Against it, there is no other. There is nothing that comes close to it that can compare to it. And these words are not just intended for you or for those who are gathered here, for those online. These words are to be preached and taught to the whole world. This gospel, the words and light of Christ, we let it shine for all to see and believe. And when our moments of struggle and temptation and hopelessness and loneliness and uncertainty and worry and doubt and whatever else is going in our life come, we cling to the word. We hold fast to the promises of God by faith. And as we heard in the New Testament reading, that though we may suffer a little while on this earth, he will call us home and restore us and strengthen us and confirm in us that eternal life that Jesus won for us and that faith has guaranteed. So if I were to give you one final sentence or two as we wrap up Ecclesiastes, it would be this. Nothing is vain or meaningless when God enters the picture. And he has always been there and always will be. That is the end of the matter.
Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.